It was at this moment that he knew he fucked up. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. South Philadelphia. You're listening to Straight Out of Philly. Brent Snyder here. You're listening to Straight Out of Philly. This week's show, nothing but true crime. So if you're a true crime fan like myself, don't want to miss this. I must say though, before we start this whole um, new show, every time I hear that piece, I can't think of anything else but one of the best war movies of all time, Apocalypse Now. I love the smell of night pump in the morning. Martin Sheen, Marlon Brando, Lawrence Fishburne, Harrison Ford, um, who else am I missing here? Um, Robert Duvall. I mean, the list goes on. In my opinion, top five movie of all time. Anyways, for all those of you that continue to listen to me, thanks for the support. This episode is going to be slightly different today. I'm not going to go into the details just yet. I guess you'll just have to listen. Don't forget to follow me on all social media outlets under the handle at straightout215. Email me with any ideas, suggestions, or comments at straightout215 at gmail.com. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to get the show on the fucking road. After the upcoming break, we're going to break down Jalen Hurts' record-breaking mega contract signed last week. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Most likely not. 
but it's a good start for a team that will get it hot as the temperature rises. A major announcement could be in their works in the upcoming days. MV3 Bryce Harper meets with his doctors in a few weeks, and if Bryce gets cleared, we could see number three back at the eight by mid-May. Talk about a much-needed bump for the star-studded team. Welcome back guys. Welcome to a new part of the show that I'm calling my blast of the week. This is a time I usually reserve to bitch and moan about my displeasures about what's going on in this great city and or country. But today, I don't have anything to bitch about. Why is that you ask? As any Eagles fans know, last week, the Philadelphia Eagles and MVP candidate Jalen Hurts agreed to a record-breaking extension, five years, for a fucking $255 million. 179 million of that fucking guaranteed. As Eagles fans, we all knew Howie wasn't going to let Jalen walk into the upcoming season without a long-term deal. What we didn't know was how much it was going to be worth. And you know what? Now we do. Even though the guaranteed money is not a record, his average per year of $51 million is a new NFL record, surpassing the now Jet Aaron Rodgers by a whopping $1 million. In 2024, Jalen Hurts will make an outstanding $64 million, which somehow will give the Eagles even more cap space to add weapons within the next two years. Now looking at the stats, what blows me away is Daniel Jones, the QB for the New York Giants, who will make almost $20 million more in the first year of his new contract than Jalen Hurts. If I were Howie, I would be loving this new contract. Jones hasn't done anything in New York except lose while we go out, have a franchise quarterback leading us to the Super Bowl in his second full season. As the years go by, this contract is going to look like a steal in comparison to the upcoming contracts most likely signed in the next few years by Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert. We need to take advantage of this cap space now. After adding Rashad Penny and former Falcons receiver Alamid Zacchaeus to our offense, along with the first two round picks in the upcoming draft, we are posed to make yet another major push for a Super Bowl. Could this be the year we see the best Eagles team ever and be hosting a Super Bowl party once again? I don't know about you, but I'd put my money on that.
to the city of Philadelphia. You better go out now and buy tons of grease for the poles on Broad Street because we're going to need it. All right, guys, break time. We'll be right back. six episodes, this series describes the worst decade in California's history, a decade where over 20 serial killers terrorized Los Angeles. From the mid-70s to the mid-80s, the elite robbery homicide division was tasked to hunt down each one of them, and hunt them down they did. Released in 2021 on Hulu, a true detective work was before DNA and CSI became household words. Five stars and a bus watch. guys welcome back from the break once again i want to thank you for tuning in to south philadelphia's number one podcast straight out of philly by now you all know who i am i'm not going to waste your time with my name but please make sure to follow us on facebook instagram twitter tiktok and youtube at straight out 215 for all those who have been listening faithfully to my podcast you know I like to mix things up every once in a while. It makes things interesting and fresh. After talking with my producer, we decided to change things up a little. We wanted to dive into topics that we not only found interesting, but you listener as well. We have to keep things interesting, exciting, and informational. I mean, what's the point of listening to this if you're not gonna learn something, right? So we decided to shake things up once. So instead of doing a weekly show, we decided that Straight Out of Philly will now be a bi-weekly show, just dedicated to one topic, one topic alone. We feel that by focusing on just that one topic, I will be able to offer more information for you, the listener, as well as more detailed, interesting facts. Well, for the most part, anyways. Of course, my opinion will still be mixed in throughout the show, but that's my show, so I can do that. Anyways, we can now say fuck off to the boring part of the show and get this shit big going. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you please take your seats at this time as the program will begin momentarily. Thank you. guys welcome back what if i were to tell you that i have an addiction would you actually doubt me you might think it would be an addiction to fine cigars strong bourbon son there's no wrong way to consume alcohol bloody steak or crispy greasy bacon and of course you wouldn't be wrong what red white and blue blooded american wouldn't enjoy something like that the whole point of this country is if you want to eat garbage, balloon up to 600 pounds, and die of a heart attack at 43, you can. You are free to do so. To me, that's beautiful. But today, that's not the type of addiction I'm talking about. Today, I'm talking more about the lines of fascination and intrigue. Myself, like millions of Americans, have become fascinated with the most booming genre in our society. And that, my friends, is a true crime. The topic of true crime has been around for ages, all the way back to the 19th century. Believe it or not, people were actually able to buy tickets to public hangings. I mean, talk about an appetite for blood, guts, and gore. But don't get me wrong, there are definitely people in this country that deserve to be publicly hung in the town square. And of course, I'm sure they would sell out quickly. Pedophiles, rapists, abusers of the elderly, animals, and women are just a few that come to my mind. But there are some that even consider Shakespeare our first father of true crime. I don't know about you, but I'm going to have to take the expert's word on that since I can't stand or even understand what the hell Shakespeare talks about. I'm sure I'm not alone in this one. Is there anyone listening? that can explain to me what the fuck Shakespeare meant while writing one of his masterpieces. I didn't think so. Anyways, let's get back on track. During the 1980s and 90s, everyone remembers Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack. On Unsolved Mysteries. Every week for 16 years, Americans would sit in front of their TVs and listen to Robert Stack explain and describe various mysteries that the authorities either couldn't or wouldn't solve. This goddamn show was so popular that it averaged a 7.2 Nielsen rating per year. 10 of the first 11 seasons, Unsolved Mysteries never scored below a 7.3. Talk about a fucking run. I remember watching it, trying to figure out if Little Green Men actually existed or if there was such thing as Bigfoot. Man, talk about an iconic show. And then came 1995, the year us true crime junkies will always remember. For me, 
This is the first time I can remember being glued to my TV set. That year, America and the world saw the infamous white Bronco leading the LAPD on the slowest car chase I've ever seen. OJ Simpson, Hall of Fame and Heisman Awardee running back, was accused and charged with the gruesome murders of his ex-wife and her boyfriend. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit, you must acquit. Something is wrong. The prosecution's case and your common sense is never gonna let you fall for it. Court TV, an unknown station at the time, became the most watched channel during OJ's mockery of a trial. It just shows you what happens when money is not an issue. Anybody think that he didn't do it? You're a fucking loco. Mr. Uh, Simpson, would you please stand and face the jury? This is Robertson. Superior Court of California, County of Los Angeles. In the matter of the people of the state of California versus Orenthal James Simpson, case number BA097211. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. But Karma's a bitch, and he lost his civil suit for over $30 million, which, of course, he still hasn't paid back yet. All right, guys, let's take another break real quick. I need to get a drink and hit the bathroom. We'll be right back. surrounding Derrick Henry true? Will he be reunited with former teammate A.J. Brown? Will Howie pull off a different, yet another remarkable trade like he usually does each and every year? With two picks in the first round, how will the Eagles draft? All we can do is just wait and see. The 2023 NFL starts this Thursday night. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back to my true crime junkies. Remember the DVD servers that put West Coast Video and Blockbuster out of business? A little unknown subscription service named Netflix. Who would have thought a few decades later it would be the number one streaming app, not only for true crime documentaries, but for all the shows, period. Damn, I still think I have a few DVDs I never sent back. I know, I know. I'm sure I owe them a nice chunk of change. Will they get it? Probably not. The one series that made Netflix into the behemoth it is today is one called Making a Murderer. When Netflix released it in December of 2015, a whopping 19 million viewers watched it in the first fucking 35 days. Holy shit! I can only think of a few other series that put a company on the map like that. 
such as HBO's The Sopranos and Showtime's Dexter. Let's fast forward a few years. The entire world is on lockdown. I'm not going to debate on whether these lockdowns were legal, effective, or just. We all know how I feel. It was what it was. Can't go back and change anything. Everything was closed, except for those big box companies that were able to donate millions to those corrupt politicians. Local businesses going out of business left and right. Hours upon hours, Americans were forced to stay inside or die, or so they said. Oh God, we're gonna die. Don't you understand? We're all gonna die. What a better way to spend hours with your loved ones than to binge shows and streaming apps. Netflix, the leader in true crime hits, released a new hit each month, or so it seemed. Along with Netflix, streaming apps such as HBO Max, Apple TV+, Stars, Showtime, Hulu, and Peacock dipped their greedy little toes into the waters of true crime. Sure, none of them could compare to the volume and quality of Netflix, but they all offered a few decent series. One stat jumped out at me while I was reading over some articles. During the pandemic, the volume of true crime documentaries increased 63%, and the demand for such series increased a whopping 142%. You heard me right, guys, 142%. Damn, that's crazy. That's insane, no matter how you look at it. But what do you expect when you're locked inside for 23 hours a day? I don't care how much you love someone. Sooner or later, you need something to do or watch to break the perpetual cycle. Well, I feel like I'm going crazy. All right, guys, another break time. After the break, we're going to talk about what type of characters true crime documentaries us fucked up Americans want to see. We'll be right back. I've got this in your mouth. guys back from another break as you can see i really consider myself a true crime junkie i could sit around the house all day and binge a true crime show luckily for me i can being retired i really needed to find something to fill all those hours in the early morning when i couldn't sleep working on this podcast and watching true crime has definitely been keeping me busy and free from the insanity so what type of true crime documentaries are the most popular with us Americans? That's right, you guessed it, serial fucking killers. Who would have thought it? I mean, not that hard to understand. Each and every streaming app, from Netflix to Discovery Plus, are loads of stories of serial killers that saturate the title. Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, John Wayne Gacy, The Hillside Strangler, and Richard Ramirez all have multiple shows dedicated to their diabolical histories. But if you look hard enough, you can find a gold mine of lesser known killers littered throughout the streaming universe. Serial killers such as Lisk, also known as the Long Island Serial Killer, the Atlanta Child Murderer, Skid Row Stabber, and other unknown freaks are scattered on streaming apps such as ID.com, AMC+, Discovery+, etc. Basically, anywhere you look, 
you can find a story of one of the worst types of human beings imaginable. Guys, if you're like me, I love numbers and stats. What a dork. If you look at the numbers from Netflix's top 10 feature in 2020, you will see something amazing. If you don't, well, I don't know what the hell is wrong with you. You fucking goddamn fucker. Listen, fuckhead. You have fucking crossed the line. Get that through your goddamn fucking head. For the most days at number one, there was a tie between Netflix version of Unsolved Mysteries and Tiger King. And I'm Joe Exotic, otherwise known as the Tiger King. The gay gun cane redneck with a mullet. Right, Tiger King, fucking Joe Exotic, at 35 days straight. Man, Tiger King and Joe Exotic lived up to its reputation. Joe Exotic for the people of America. Mullets, a gay threesome, tigers, and that fucking Carol Baskin. I consider that bitch to be one of the biggest terrorists in the exotic animal world. All rode into an eight-episode series. I don't know how many times I watched it, but it was never enough. After those two, a series about one of the worst human beings to walk the planet, Jeffrey Epstein, came in third at 30 days. I don't care if the Clintons had the pedophile killed. I killed him, that's what happened. They did a world a huge fucking favor. We came, we saw, <laughs> he died. <laughs> and everyone knows how I can't stand any politician with the last name of Clinton. These shows are just from Netflix alone. I can just imagine what the other apps had in their top five. What does that say about us Americans? Why are we so infatuated with true crime series? let alone serial killers. You fucking crazy man. You sound insane. Do you realize that? You should be medicated. Does that make us terrible human beings? So what do you do? I'm into uh, well, murders and executions mostly. Could our addiction to anything related to true crime be a precursor for something diabolical? The answer might surprise you. We will be right back after this short message don't fucking go anywhere. Twenty-two veterans commit suicide each and every day in this country. The brave men and women who are willing to risk their lives, our freedoms, take their lives because they feel they have nowhere to turn for help. If you see or know of any veterans in crisis, please don't abandon them by turning your back telling yourself it's not your problem. It is your problem. It is our problem as a country. We must help those who need help. If you know a veteran in need, please call 988 and press 1. Don't be that person who allows a veteran to commit suicide because you did nothing. someone to watch absolutely nothing but true crime. What does that say about our society as a whole? The answer will definitely surprise you. For me, 
I enjoy watching true crime series for the psychological aspect of the show. Growing up in Central PA, I was that one kid that always had a book in his hand on road trips to away soccer and basketball matches while everyone else had the headphones in their ears. I was reading some sort of nonfiction book. Sometimes it would be about UFOs, the Loch Ness Monster, or Bigfoot, etc. part I read anything I could about Sierra killers. You guys have to remember this is way before the internet age. I had to actually walk into a library, use a card catalog, and then find the actual book all by myself. I know right? That sounds ridiculous. Why would you why would you do why would you do that? Why would you do it? Why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? The phrase, Google it, or Siri, wasn't even an idea back then. To me, the human brain was, and still, is awesome. I loved trying to get into the serial killer's head, figuring out what made the, what made them click, and why did they do what they did. Are you nuts? You know, what urges they felt, what desires they needed to feel so badly that they needed to take another human being's life. This all fascinated into the human mind followed me all throughout college. The one book I remember so vividly reading over and over, and I still do to this day, was Mindhunt, written by John Douglas, which, by the way, was made into one of the most popular series on Netflix. For those who didn't read it, you need to. You cannot consider yourself a true crime junkie if you never read the book from the FBI agent who helped create what is known today as a criminal profile. Some people, actually most people, call me a nerd for being fascinated about the human brain. Nerd alert! And what makes people do what they do. But apparently, especially from the earlier segment, I am definitely not alone. Outside of being fascinated with the psychological aspect of what makes serial killers click, there are many, many more factors to consider. Are our lives that boring? Uh, oh. Are we so selfish that we need to watch series about other people's miseries and despair? Do we, deep down inside, like to play make-believe detective from the safety of our own home? I mean, one can ask all these questions. But I personally don't think this phenomenon can be answered the same way for each and every one of you. For some of you, it might be a way to dive deep into the darker side of humanity without exposing yourself to the actual crime. Is our addiction to crime due to the fact that we have an obsession on how other people live? Could it be something as simple as evil fascinates us? Good versus evil. How they got away with their atrocious act or maybe just maybe it's because as americans we cannot just look away from a train wreck it's okay guys it's just a wreck i know we've all done it before i know i have we drive by an accident and almost cause another accident because we have to see what happened but what about being prepared 
Does watching true crime series help prepare us for what possibly might happen in our future? I am prepared. Obviously, each person's reasoning is different, and that isn't a bad thing, not at all. It makes each one of us unique, and that's what makes us truly amazing. America! When is enough enough, though? How far is too far? Well, according to Fulton Schrivener, a famed researcher from Recreational Fear Lab and an expert on humans' morbid curiosity. What the hell is even that? Yes, I know. I had to look it up. I didn't think that was real. We shouldn't be afraid or worry too much about true crime in our lives. In his research, he found that by watching true crime, it actually has a learning component very deep within the content of the show. Apparently for most, watching a show on a serial killer helps the viewer feel prepared for the worst case scenario. In 2020, Colton conducted a survey of 2,000 true crime fans. I must say, the numbers really surprised me for the most part. 75% watch a new crime show program as soon as that was released. 71% will binge the entire series in one sitting. I don't know about you guys, but I know for sure I've been there and I've done that. 44% actually have a favorite serial killer. I like your style, dude. Now this stat I found really interesting. I mean, having a favorite serial killer isn't like having a favorite baseball player. You're not going to throw your hard-earned money away to go watch a serial killer dismember a poor victim of his. Well, at least, fucking hope not. I'm not so sure about that one, though. Some people might. 67% would like the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation with one. I bumped those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers in this racket. For this one, I do agree. Nothing would fascinate me more than to pick the brain of a serial killer, even though being in the same room would probably make me violently ill. I guess the most important question that needs to be answered is that if someone watches too much true crime, would that person be likely to commit a violent crime? I mean, it's a reasonable jump to from one to the other, don't you think? Remember, we're talking about a normal, rational thinking human being. Of course, there are always going to be outliers with this question. If there weren't, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. During his research, Schreibner saw zero connection to watching true crime and acting out on violent acts. Nor did he see any example of the normal viewer being more empathetic to the killer or less empathetic to the victim. So, for the normal human being, watching an abundance of true crime does not change the viewer into some violent criminal who's going to prey on the addicted sex workers in their city. For those who do commit these heinous acts, that gene was already implanted deep in the brain way before this true crime phenomenon started. Nothing would have changed it. Alright guys, on that note, time for another break. We will be right back. Don't you go anywhere. guys welcome back i don't know about you guys but i had to light me up a nice 
1964 Padrone Exclusivo. A Maduro, of course. Need that man a cigar! Tell you right now, nothing beats a rich, complex taste of one of the greatest cigars available first thing in the morning. As we all know, art often imitates light. In this instance, with the popularity of true crime documentaries soaring, the networks such as HBO, Showtime, CBS, and NBC felt it was their time to earn their keep by producing fiction shows based on true crime. Arguably the best series ever created came from HBO. In the winter of 1999, HBO aired a series that will go on to be the most popular show and highest rated show of all time. That show, you guessed it, was The Motherfucking Sopranos. Based on the Del Cavacante crime family of Northern Jersey, The Sopranos introduced the American public to the modern La Costa Nostra. Led by the boss himself, Tony Soprano, the show introduced both his families to the public, his real family and his mafia family. Just like any boss and father, there's times when he couldn't control either of them. James Gandolfini's character resonated with the viewer as a tough mobster who wanted to do right by his family, no matter what. Supported by such characters as Uncle Junior. My nephew running things? Not that Struns. Not in this life. Holy Walnuts. You're a wormy cut sucker, you know that? Silvio Dante. Fucking motherfucking pain of fucking ass! Big Pussy. Christopher. Motherfuck. Ralphie and other mob hangouts, The Soprano crew ran Northern Jersey. For six seasons, Tony and his crew capitated the American viewer every single Sunday night. I remember having to schedule my busy social schedule, including dates, around the 9 p.m. slot of every single Sunday night. The show was so popular that during its amazing six-season run, it never scored below a 8.4 on the Nielsen ratings. My belief is that the show will go down as the most iconic TV series of all time. Oh, shut the fuck up! I know some will say The Office, Seinfeld, or MASH, but without Sopranos, who knows what would happen to HBO. Another show created, this time by Showtime, to help with our thirst of everything involving true crime and serial killers was none other than Dexter. We all know who Dexter is, a blood splatter expert from Miami PD who moonlighted as a serial killer known as the Bay Harbor Butcher. Deb, I'm the Bay Harbor Butcher. This is another show that the public became so infatuated with that the viewers demanded a new season to continue the saga of the dark side of Dexter. Surprise, motherfucker. As with Tony Soprano, Dexter became a character that we could root for, even though he was a bona fide serial killer. Each episode, we cheered on his actions and cringed each time when he was almost captured. This was a series that did amazing with the viewers. During the eight seasons, Dexter scored below an 8.0 just once, and that was season eight with a 7.5 Nielsen rating. 
The first seven series averaged an amazing 8.4 Nielsen rating. Just as with The Sopranos and Dexter, the streaming acts got into the money grab by reshowing somewhat popular shows and making them even more popular. For example, Netflix had the number two rated streaming show with NCIS at 31.8 billion hours viewed. At number seven was Criminal Minds, which streamed on Netflix, Hulu, and Paramount Plus with a total of 24.9 billion hours viewed. The Netflix original monster, The Jeffrey Dahmer Story, added another 13.0 billion viewers. And we cannot forget two of the most popular shows to air on stations such as CBS and NBC. The Law and Order Family. In the criminal justice system, sexually based offenses are considered especially heinous. In New York City, the dedicated detectives who investigate these vicious felonies are members of an elite squad known as the Special Victims Unit. These are their stories. And CSI have been running for decades with no end in sight. Hell, NBC just brought back the original Law and Order due to the high demand of the viewers. See, the fascination of true crime doesn't just involve documentaries, but TV shows as well. Sometimes a viewer needs to get away from it all, the interviews, grainy crime scene footage, and confessions, and we just want to sit back and watch a TV show with fictional characters based loosely on true crime events, still quenching our thirst for a true crime fix. Alright guys, let's do one more break, and then we'll be right back. Welcome back guys, I must say that my thirst for a new true crime series to watch right now is at an all time high. I don't know about you, but I know I will be surfing the app for something new and exciting to watch. The next time someone says to you that they're scared you're watching way too much true crime, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, give them your reasoning. We all have our reasons behind why we watch series on Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, and other various serial killers. At least we're not spending hours in front of our computer, iPad, or TV binging weird and disgusting porn, right? And remember, being a true crime junkie does not make you a monster, nor will make you commit violent crimes. That seed has been planted in those who do a very long time ago, and nothing will be able to fix it. Wow, we're done guys. I hope you enjoyed our first full episode dedicated just to one topic. I know I have. As of always, I'm not sure what our next show has in store for us, but I will promise you this, you won't want to miss it. Do not forget to follow us on all social media platforms, including YouTube at straightout215 and email any thoughts, ideas, bitches, praises, directly to straightout215 at gmail.com. I'm Brent, straight out of Philly. We're done. Don't stop